It is uh, it's an honor to be with you this morning. For those of you who do not know, Pastor Derek is on a trip to Taiwan with some of the uh, other members of our team, Jeremiah, Vanessa, and uh, some of the Open Bible um, representatives are all in Taiwan. And uh, Danielle told me this morning that she had a chance to talk to Jeremiah and uh, said that the Spirit of the Lord has been working and moving. And so we thank God for that. And so that leaves you guys with me. So um, I'm just going to preface this and say that uh, I have had probably one of the most challenging weeks of my professional career ever, hands down. I kid you not. Um, we have been dealing, for those of you who don't know, I am in the wonderful profession of property management full-time. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> and uh, we have been dealing with floods, demon-possessed people, um, you name it. So it has been, uh, it has been very challenging. And so this morning, I have an opportunity to share with you something that I personally walked through this week myself. And uh, those are always wonderful experiences because um, <laughs> you don't really know sometimes what you're going to preach on, and then you start going through it, and you're like, wow, yeah, okay, this, this is it, Lord. You're really uh, you're putting, my, putting my faith right here to test. And, uh, and so anyway, I want to share with you this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about the quality of life. And uh, primarily, I want to focus today on finding your vision. Uh, the scripture that I want to reference is one that we've all heard many times before. I'm going to read it to you in the New King James, and then I want to read it to you in the Amplified. But Pro Proverbs 29, 18 says, Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. Okay, that's good. That sounds good. But let's read it in the Amplified. Where there is no vision, no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. But he who keeps the law of God, which includes that of man, blessed, happy, fortunate, and enviable is he. Now, I'm just going to ask you a question how many of you have ever done a job that you absolutely hated? Come on, raise your hands. Okay. So we've all done those jobs that we have absolutely despised, right? Was it easy? Did you feel emotionally drained? Did it suck the life out of you? Did you whine about it? Of course you did. Where there is no vision, no revelation, the people perish. I would venture to say that you had no vision for that job that you were doing. Am I right? You had no vision for it. You were doing it because it was a paycheck and it was what needed to be done at that moment in time, right? We've all been there. Where there's no vision, the people perish. Where there's no revelation of the redemptive nature of God, understanding that even in that moment that God was working something out in you, for you, and that he could provide for you a greater place 
down the road, but see, we didn't have any vision for it at that moment in time. I'm not saying that every job that you do, you've got a passion for. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I am saying is that we have to find vision. We have to find purpose in what it is that God has called us to do. Now, finding vision can be extremely difficult or it can be very easy. And ultimately, it will increase your quality of life. These tasks, these things that we do that we have no vision for, they begin to kill us. They begin to rob us of the very thing that God wants us to have. And ultimately, that's happiness and joy. I've come that you might have life and have it more, what? Abundantly, right? Not robbed of, of, uh, not robbed of, of, of our joy, but have it more abundantly. Now, so how do we find this, this vision? How do we get this vision that God has for our life and that we have for ourselves personally? How do we connect to that? Well, I'm going to take you, let's go to Matthew 6, 33. And I'm sorry I do not have slides, but I'm going to tell you all, after this week, I'm lucky to be standing here today. <laughs> so it is what it is this week. <laughs> Matthew 6, 33. I'm going to read this out of the Amplified again because I believe that it paints a, a broader picture of really what God's trying to convey Jesus is saying here. He says, but seek, aim at, and strive after, first of all, his kingdom and his righteousness. Listen, his way of doing and being right. And all these things taken together will be given to you besides. Now, Let's caveat this real quick. You notice how it says, seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness. His, not ours. There's the caveat. You see, we, we get it backwards. We seek the things we seek all these things, but Jesus clearly said, because he's talking about clothing and fooding and all this, uh, it, it, the earlier scripture talks about be, or worry for nothing. Don't worry for anything. So Jesus basically wraps up this entire passage into this little statement that says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things, all this stuff will be added unto you. Now, where in there does it say, Damon, build your own kingdom? Where in there does it say, pursue your own desires and you'll be all good? Does it say that anywhere? No. Jesus was pretty stinking clear. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. We like stuff, don't we? We like cars, we like clothes, we like new TVs, right? We like things. We like being able to go out to a nice dinner, go on vacation, which is something that is completely foreign to me right now. <laughs> In the summertime, while everybody's sitting around eating chips and sitting on a beach somewhere, I'm in my office at 4 o'clock in the morning. We like stuff. And there's nothing wrong with stuff. Don't misunderstand me. But the problem is, is that we get wrapped up in building our kingdom and building our things, and we think that that's going to find the, or be the place where we find satisfaction. That's where we've got it all wrong. Because what ends up happening is, is that no matter the amount of things that we can accumulate, 
no matter the amount of stuff that we can achieve and attain and get on our own, it's not going to make us happy. It's not going to give us any vision for our life. All it's going to do is get us a buildup of stuff. Well, my boat's bigger than your boat. It gets to a place where we begin to get consumed with seeking the things that we want, seeking the things that we desire. Man, I want a truck so bad right now I can hardly stand it. But I've got a little restraint. I've got a little vision that my life is greater than the things that I can buy, right? Let's, let's, let's put it to you this way. We see actors in Hollywood and they change partners like they change a pair of drawers. Now, for y'all who don't know, drawers is underwear. <laughs> it's, it's, it's beyond me. You, I mean, okay, Sarah loves people.com. I'm sorry, honey. I'm sorry. She likes keeping up with the pop news. That's okay. Some of, don't look, don't give her that judgmental look because half of y'all do it too. <laughs> she said, I told you not to embarrass me. But every time you turn around, you read another article about some actor selling their mansion for a $4 million loss because they had to build it at the time, and they wanted to make it so perfect, and then they couldn't end up selling it for what they built it for, right? We always have these grandiose ideas of what the value of things are, but they're worth more to us than they are to everybody else, right? I mean, look, you know, I deal with people all the time that think their house is the best thing since sliced bread. Well, my house has a view. My house has all this. My it's a house. It's a house. Carpet's going to have to be replaced at some point. Paint's going to have to be put on the wall at some point. It's a house. But we all have these ideas in our mind. We get focused on the things, on the stuff. And Jesus specifically said that if we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness in the Amplified, his way of doing and his way of being right, that all these things will be added unto us. But yet somehow that gets lost. Somehow that just goes all out the window. But it's part of our human nature. Look, the things of this world, the promotions at your job, the people or the pursuit of them will not make your vision any more clear to you than it is today. The only thing that can make your vision and your purpose clear to you is Jesus and God Almighty and the Holy Spirit, the revelation of the Holy... That's it. Bottom line, brass tacks, man. It don't get any simpler than that. The revelation of God's vision for your life is directly tied to the time you spend listening for it. Directly. There is a close correlation to the amount of things that, to, to, to us seeing how God wants us to operate, how Jesus wants us to walk through this life and be more like him. But yet, if we don't spend time with him, if we don't get to the place where we're trying to be more like him, then we're building our kingdom. We're doing it our way. And I'm telling you, man, it will, it will make you end up in that, just like that job we talked about earlier. It will suck the life out of you. It will kill you because where there is no vision, the people perish. 
What does God, what is he saying about your life, for your life, for your family, for your career? What is he saying? Well, how do, well, you know, Damon, how do I find that out? Well, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Practicing spiritual disciplines. Practicing spiritual disciplines. Now, let me ask you a question. If I came up to you and said, hello, my name is Dr. Elliot, you would think, wow. Hey, you know what, Doc? I kind of got an elbow that's been bugging me a little bit. You got any tips for it? Uh, I'm going to have to go back and look in my medical book about that. You see, here's the thing. If I have not been tried and tested as a doctor... I can say I'm a doctor, but I'm not. It doesn't make me qualified to give medical advice. You have to have a medical license to provide medical advice. Would any of you want a doctor working on you that doesn't have a license? Anybody? Any brave soul in here? I didn't think so. So how did that doctor become the doctor except studying to be a doctor? It's pretty simple right? They go four years of college. They go four years of medical school. Then they do anywhere from two to four years as a residency, right? And then they have fellowships, and they have all these things. And so after about 10, you know, after about 10 years and, you know, an ungodly amount of money paying to the universities, they become qualified medical professionals. So if you learn to be a doctor, by studying, how do we learn to be more like Jesus? Can, can I just, stand up, honey. I want, stand up. <laughs> can I become more like my wife by just doing this, rubbing her on? Does that make me any more like her? It made me smell good. <laughs> but it doesn't make me any more like my wife. The only way that I get to know Jesus is by spending time with him. When I talk about the spiritual disciplines, look, there's a, there's a, a, Jesus gave us a whole list of things that we can do to become more like him. Let me give you a few real quick. Fasting, everybody hates that one for some reason. Prayer, reading the word, applying the word, uh, servanthood, that's another one people don't like. Worship, obedience, giving, all of these things are spiritual disciplines that strengthen our spiritual muscles, that make us become more like Christ. He begins to emulate from me. Because, see, it's not I that live, but it's Christ in me. And so if we want to really capture and know the vision, know the plan that God has for our life, look, man, he might not be telling you what it is right now, but that doesn't mean that you can abandon everything else. This brings me to my second point. You have to look beyond the present to see what God's vision is for your life. You have to look beyond the present. Does anybody else have a hard time looking beyond the present? It's difficult. It's very hard. 
The moments we are in now can get so overwhelming that they begin to steal our joy, rob us from life. You know, I've come home many times this week and wanted to book a one-way ticket to Mexico and never come back. Right? Has anybody else felt like that? I'd be like, I'm just selling it all. I'm forgetting everything, and we're going to Mexico and going to live on a beach in a hut if we have to. Because we can't focus on anything but what is going on right now. But God is not concerned with what is going on right now. God's main concern for your life is what He is going to do and what He's already done. His main concern was making sure that, that, that sin was redeemed by the shed blood of Jesus Christ and that he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And the last I checked in Jeremiah, it said a plan not to harm you, but plans to give you hope and a what? Future. But yet we can't see beyond the here and now. We get tied up in looking at the here and now. Let me give an example of this. Let's take Peter as he so boldly walked on the water. And Peter answered to him, and this is Matthew 14, 28, verse 30 and 31. And Peter said, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus did. And Peter started walking. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, and, the, and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched his hand out and caught him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, it said that when he began to see that the waves around him were boisterous, translation big, and crazy and rowdy, right? When Peter began to see what was going on around him, he did what? He took his eyes off of Jesus. So Peter could not see beyond what was happening at that moment in time to realize that, A, he had already been walking on water. I mean, is it just me or is it crazy that Peter just totally spaced that? I mean, he went from literally physically walking on water to getting scared and acting like a little crybaby and saying, help me, Lord. And Jesus is sitting there thinking to himself, this idiot is walking on water right now. R really? And so he grabs him and he pulls him up and he says, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? You had already done it. The seasons that you're going through in your life, man, the times when the storm is raging, and it has been like that for me the last three weeks, it has been killing me. It has been physically difficult to get up and go into work every day, but guess what? I've got a vision. I know that God's got a plan and a purpose for my life, and he's using my job right now. I don't know how long that'll be for. I don't know if it'll be the next five or ten years. I don't know if it'll be until I retire, but guess what? As it stands right now, I have enough forethought to look beyond what's going on now and see what God is going to do in my life. 
So the things, the storms of life that you're dealing with at this particular moment, you have to look at them and say, God, I, I, I know, but I understand all this is going on around me, but I'm going to fix my eyes upon you. And as I fix my eyes upon you, all of a sudden the winds and the waves begin to calm and this too shall pass. Right? We've all heard our parents tell us that. I mean, my parents told me that when I was going through hard stuff as a kid. But I couldn't see it. I thought it was the end of the world. Right now, my little girl, God love her. I love Macy. She is the sweetest little child. But when she gets in trouble, and we tell her that she has either going to get a spanking or going to you know, not be able to watch TV or whatever, it is the end of the world. I mean, oh my gosh, you would literally think that the sun was going to stop in the sky and fall right down. I mean, it just, the, the waterworks come on, she's crying, she's flipping out. And every time she does that, I ask her, I say, honey, is the sun going to come up tomorrow? Yes. It's going to be okay. You will get through this time and this season that you're going through. But here's the thing. The scripture talks about that trials produce patience and patience, perseverance, and perseverance, character. So all of these things that we're going through are only simply purifying us and getting the nasty stuff out of us and making us better people. But we don't like that. You know, if, you, if you've ever lifted weights, right, if you've ever lifted weights, you know, you get up under a weight and you begin to push the bar and push it and push it and push it and it starts hurting, it starts burning, it, you know, your arms get, you start shaking and you're just trying to push, 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 and you get it up finally, right? And then the next day you're extremely sore, you say, I'm never doing this to myself again. But then you start looking in the mirror and you see the transformational process that's taking on in your body. But that moment, not looking beyond the moment, we get caught around the axle with that. But yet if we just stick it in or stick through it, right, if we just get to the place where we can press through a little bit more and a little bit more, it gets a little bit easier and a little bit easier. And then before you know it, you're out the other side. I've heard people and pastors say God does not intend to take you out of your mess. He intends for you to get out the same way that you got in. You walked in, you will walk out. We have to look beyond the moment. Esau sold his birthright because he, looked, he couldn't look beyond his belly. Abraham created Ishmael because he, he got impatient. Adam gave away the garden and walking with God because as with most problems, he listened to his wife. I'm kidding, <laughs> kidding, kidding, totally kidding. 100% kidding. <laughs> I'm in trouble. Moses delayed his promise because he disobeyed and he got mad. God told him to speak to the rock because he'd already struck it once, right? The rock being the, sim the symbol of Christ, that the rock could only be struck one time. It couldn't be struck again, right? 
So it was struck the first time. Jesus was struck down on the cross the first time, right? But the second time, he said, speak to the rock and water will flow. But Moses was mad. He was upset. The children of Israel were talking bad about him. They were talking dirty about him. And he got mad. And he struck the rock a second time and therefore stayed out of his promise. He couldn't look beyond the moment. Samson gave up the secret to his strength because he got pestered to the point of giving in. Eli didn't want to deal with the sins of his sons. And the Spirit of the Lord departed from that house. Saul refused to heed the word of the Lord with Samuel, and it cost him his kingdom. David committed murder and adultery all in one whack because he couldn't look beyond the present. Judas sold out Jesus because the money was good. Peter denied Christ even though he vehemently denied that he would ever do it. The list goes on and on and on of biblical characters who would not look beyond the moment, but instead, and it would cost them everything, they could not see beyond what was presently in front of them. They had no vision. And where there's no vision, the people perish. Don't make hasty decisions based on what is going on now, ladies and gentlemen. Do not make that mistake. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things, this stuff, will be added unto you. That's not short-sighted, is it? That's, that's a long-term deal. Because I don't know about y'all, but i got to seek the kingdom of God every day. Because I can get myself in trouble. Anybody else? Don't be short-sighted. Let's listen to the words in Psalm 30. I came across this, this, uh, this morning as I was preparing. I wanted to share it with you. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried, for, cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought me up from my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face. I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust plate praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me, O Lord, my helper. You have turned uh, for me my mourning into dancing and have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I give you thanks forever. That seems pretty long-sighted to me. 
That seems like, you know, whatever we're going through at this moment in time, weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. His anger may be but for a moment, but his favor is for what? A lifetime. His favor is for a lifetime. When you begin to get in this word, man, and you begin to see and understand and begin to process just how much it is that God is for you, you can't help but be able to walk out of that situation and say, God, I know that you've got a plan and a purpose for my life, and I might not see it at the moment. I might not understand it. I might not realize it, but God, give me clarity of mind to think like you think and be like you are. And that's when he begins to change our heart. The last point I want to talk about is look beyond yourself. That's hard to do. God, I need some vision for my life, but you're telling me to look past myself? I mean, this week, man, I've been poor, pitiful me a ton this week. I mean, Sarah will tell you I have been a complete crybaby. And I'm not even afraid to admit it. I can only think about myself, but I fail to look at the things that I know that God has already called me to do. God's already called me to be a godly man. He's already called me to be the best father to my children. He's already called me to be an incredible husband to my wife. He's called me to be an awesome boss and employee. Oh, I just rocked somebody's world. He's called me to be the best boss and employee that I can be. He's called me to live with a grateful heart for what he has already done. He has called me to share the love of Christ with others. I already know what he's told me to do. And just because I can't see it in this moment in time, just because I can't see it in my career, I know that he's told me to be a wonderful boss and employee. Whichever one you are, I happen to be both. Because when I begin to think about that and, and act like what he's telling me to do right here, how many of you have ever done something grudgingly, and then when you got involved in doing it, it turned out to be just incredible? Anybody? Yep. I mean, it's like you go into this thing, and you have a bad attitude, right? I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. And it usually involves something with serving, right? Because we're all selfish. Anybody in here not selfish? Don't raise your hand. As pastor previously said, liars go to hell. Don't, don't do it. We're all selfish. We all like to think about us, and that's okay. That's why Jesus gives us this word to help transform our thinking, to help transform who we are, because we go from being self-centered to Christ-centered. When you live filled with vision for others and Christ, it provides you the strength capable of or making you capable of doing things that you never thought that you could do never gifts and vision can be revealed in service 
to Christ and to others. I was watching this show. It's called Brain Games. Anybody ever watch? It's a great show. It's a really cool show. I'm, I'm, kind, of, I'm kind of a little bit of a, a geek, just, you know, slightly. Um, but the show is fantastic. And, and it was talking about, one of them was talking about compassion and how pa- compassion was contagious and how compassion actually made you feel better about yourself. Thinking about someone else over yourself made you feel better about yourself. What about our, what about our soldiers? Our servicemen and women, right? Now, we've lost plenty of men and women, but I would venture to say that D-Day was probably hands and are you know, far above anything we've seen in recent history. You have men that are coming off of a boat getting mowed down. Mowed down. And yet they keep pressing forward. Of course they're thinking about themselves. But they are also thinking about their brothers that are beside them. Pushing them forward. Do any of you think that you could handle that right now? I I couldn't. I'd be digging a hole in the sand. But they had vision for something that was beyond themselves. They have vision for our country. They had vision for the freedoms of you and I. They had vision for the people that they were going and storming the beach with. And it gave them the ability to do something that they could not do in and of themselves. Let me give you some biblical examples. Peter was crucified upside down. Jesus had the luxury of doing it that way. Peter chose to do it the other way. Because he wanted the gospel to be spread so that everyone could hear the good news. John was exiled to the Isle of Patmos after he was boiled in oil, mind you. And he did it not because he wanted to be famous, but because he wanted the gospel to be spread throughout the entire world that everyone could know the good news. Moses pressed through the desert for 40 years. Did he do it because he wanted to he wanted to be famous? He wanted to go down in the annals of history as a great leader of the Israelites? No, he didn't do it because of that. He had a vision because he saw his people oppressed and he wanted to do something about it. Abraham was willing to sacrifice his only son. Because he knew that God had told him that he would be a father of many nations. And the Bible says that even even if he would have killed Isaac, that he knew that God would have been able to raise him from the dead and still complete the vision 
still complete the promise. David stood up to Goliath, little scrawny dude, who walks up and says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he mocks the army of the living God? He didn't do it to make himself look good. He did it because he knew that this guy right here was torturing the armies of the living God. And he said, you know what? It might work for y'all, but it's don't work for me. And I'm going to do something about it. Jesus withstood the weight of the entire, this weight of sin of the entire world. Because he knew that it would seal the deal once and for all. Did he do that to look good? He did that because of his love and compassion for you. Not you collectively, you individually. You see, when I began to have a vision to be a good man, to be a godly man, to be a good husband to my wife, to be a good father to my children, to serve my God with absolutely everything that is in me as much as he's still got to work on me because I ain't got it all figured out. But the one thing that I do have figured out is the only thing that matters is that Christ came to save me and continue his redemptive work of grace in my life every single day. But when I get a vision for serving him and seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, things begin to change. I had no clue that I could sing until I was 21 years old, 20 years old. It was because a man prophesied over me that the Spirit of God had his anointing of worship all over me, and here I am, a country boy who ain't never picked up anything but a trumpet for a couple years, never sang any of that. And this guy prophesied that over me, and I took it to heart, and then my buddy asked me if I wanted to serve in the choir. And that changed it all. That changed everything for me. Had my friend not have asked me to serve, in the choir, not having any clue if I could carry a tune in a bucket. Had he not made that, made that request to me, and had I not been willing to serve, I would not be standing here before you today. I can assure you. Not because I don't have a desire, I didn't have a desire to please God, but I had no clue what was in me until the opportunity presented itself and I was able to step into that and that prophecy that that man spoke over me a year earlier began to come to fruition and come to pass and it was something that I would have no clue on had I not been willing to serve. Had I not been willing to say, you know what, I, I don't really know nothing about it, but you know, for my church, I'm, I'm happy to do it. And because of that, I stand in front of you today Worshiping with a wonderful worship team that I love dearly. That is my heart. That is something I love to do. But it only came to pass 
when I put my hand to the plow and say, yes, here I am, Lord, I'll go. I might not know all what I'm doing, but that's all right. I got a willing heart. Looking beyond myself, instead of saying to my buddy, oh, I don't want to do that, man. I don't sing. I don't want to get up in front of people and sing. But instead, I had a willing heart that looked beyond myself. Jesus had a willing heart that looked beyond himself and laid down his life that you might have it. And so if you're wandering today, and I'm, I'm wrapping up, if you're wandering today, I want to encourage you to seek first his kingdom, to look beyond the present, and to look beyond yourself and look at him. His word says that he will never leave you nor forsake you. It says that he has a plan for you and a purpose, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Notice it doesn't say a present. You were not an accident nor a mistake. And that long before you ever came into this world, God has formed you and created you and knit you together. The psalm says he knit you together in your mother's womb. Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody is willing to knit me together, then I have to believe that he's got a plan and a purpose for my life. If he's willing to take the time to create you and only you, who is different from every other person in this world, if he took the time, nine months from conception to delivery, to knit you together and stitch you together and make you who you are, I would venture to say that he has a purpose and a plan for your life. And though you might not see it now, though you might not be able to grab a hold of it or attain it now, I'm telling you right now, there are things that we can do. There are, there are, are, are places that we can serve. There's all sorts of things in this word right here that will begin to reveal the purpose of God in your life. Psalm 119, 105, and I'm closing. It says that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Now, I don't know about you, but when you're walking on a dark road or a dark path, what do you think? What's the first thing that we would like to have is some light so that we can see the path. Your word is a lamp, a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my path. It, it, is, it illuminates where we're going. And so I'm telling you, man, if you're here and you feel just floundering around and that you're just kind of wondering, God, what is going on here? I have no clue. You're not alone. You are not alone because guess what? I would venture to say that most of you in here feel that way to some degree. And that's not a knock. That's just because life is tough. It is hard. It is not easy. There is no instruction manual other than the good word, other than the Bible that we have from start to finish. That's the only instruction manual that we've got. And you know what else we've got? We've got each other. We've got each other to lean on, to get encouragement from. We have people who can speak into our life and help us and, and help put us on the right path so that the word of God can begin to illuminate it and make a light for it. And so I got some homework for you this week.
Everybody hates homework, I know. I had a pastor say one, one time that he, every day, he reads two psalms and one proverb. Psalms mostly talk about worship and praise and all those things. Proverbs talks about wisdom and, you know. If, and if you get those two things covered, I think that we might be all right. I think that God might begin to say some things to us that we did not hear him say before. Simply because sometimes we don't know where to look. An open book test is of no value if you don't know where to look. And this life is an open book test. It is an open book test. Where you're at right now is an open book test. And so this week, two psalms and one proverb. Every day. Every morning before you get started, when you get to work, when you sit down at your desk, whatever, just take 15 minutes because that's probably about how long it's going to take you until you get to Psalm 119, and then it will take you a little bit longer, but you'll make up with it with Psalm 117. So that's the shortest one. Um, Two Psalms and one proverb. And begin to ask God and say, Lord, What is it? Give me a vision for my life. Give me a vision for my family. Give me a vision for this job, wherever that is. Because guess what? The job, what you're performing, the functions that you are performing right now in your employment, your habits and attitudes ain't going to change if you get a promotion. Hello? You might think it will, but it won't, because who you are is who you are. Bottom line. And so what you are doing today, what you are doing now, is setting the tone for how you will be later. Because God wants us to serve with a willing and gracious heart always. We can always find other things. We can always find other jobs. We can't find other spouses. we got to work on this thing, right? we got to work on being a team because I'm committed. Are you committed? You're committed. It's like the chicken and the pig, right? The chicken is involved. The pig is committed, right? You get bacon from pig. You guys know that old southern thing. Chicken makes the egg, but the pig is committed. The pig has to give up his life to make bacon. Pretty good, isn't it? You guys are going to remember that. So this week, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Look beyond what is going on right now. And look beyond yourself. Newsflash, this ain't all about me. It ain't all about you. And when we make it that way, guess what? God begins to turn it all about me. He begins to pour out His blessing and His favor in my life because my priorities are right. So next week, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, vision and action and how to apply some of the the visions and some of the biblical characteristics of, of, uh, of, of vision and action. And so I will be wrapping that up with you next week, and I look forward to it. But I want to pray for you now, and um, I just want to encourage you, don't give up right now.
Don't give up. Don't lose sight that God is working all things for your good according to the power that works in you. He is doing more exceedingly and abundantly above all that you could ask or think. When you begin to, to, to declare those scriptures over your life, man, it makes you far-sighted, not short-sighted. Don't be short-sighted today. Look at it from the bigger picture because God sees the whole plan, but we just see glimpses. We just see snippets. So don't give up today. Father, I thank you for this time, this opportunity, Lord God, to share your word. It is always a privilege and an honor to be able to speak to your people and, and deliver a message, Father, of hope and encouragement, Lord, that they might have vision that, that seeks your kingdom and your righteousness, your way of doing things, Lord God, and transform our thinking and our minds and, and how we operate on a daily basis, Lord. And that even though we might be going through storms in this life, and, and Father, that we might have uh, wind and waves all about us, Lord God, that you are always there in everything, Lord God. It's not something that we have to worry about you checking out on. Because, God, you are able and with us in those moments. And, Father, I just pray that, that throughout this week, as we, as we seek your face, as we pray, as we read the Psalms and the Proverbs, Lord, that, that you would begin to speak to our hearts and just stir up within us, Lord, something that, that gives us greater purpose, greater vision, Lord, to see what it is that you're calling us to, that we might be the people that you want us to be. And Father, I pray blessing on every person represented here today that you would go before them this week. Father, give them favor in whatever it is that they do, Lord, according to your word, Father. And I thank you for it, and I thank you for them. Bless Pastor and the team as they're in Taiwan as they continue to minister and just go out and, and share the gospel, Lord God, that you would just proceed before them, Lord, and give them uh, just a great harvest in that, in that country, Lord. And Father, we thank you for it right now, and we give you all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next week.